Hello, I'm Tom Dorsey. I'm Ian Saunders. And it's August 15th, 2018. And it seems like the plug has been pulled on the international. I mean, it's across the board. And you know, we've seen this before with, with Greece. Same thing. Um, Greece finally, it bottomed out and went up 100% from its bottom. Um, Turkey is what's in the news now. Mm-hmm. Turkey is it. So Turkey, if you look at that chart, um, at what point did it begin to break the trend line and give you the sell signal? And not that everybody is following the Turkey chart, but what you can do on our system is if you want the system to watch things for you, let's say you want to watch international um, developed countries. You could put France in there, Germany, all kinds of things, and notify me if this trend line breaks mm-hmm. under, under alerts. Turkey, same thing. If you put Turkey in there and all of these emerging markets to watch for you, it would have told you the breakdown. And what, where did the breakdown begin to happen? And I mean, it's clear. Yeah, I mean, it gave, it gave the sell signal of 40.5, it looks like, and then that was its second consecutive sell signal coming off a buy and just kind of plummeted from there. But you know, most important, if you, if you put TUR here, I'm going to pull this chart up. I mean, it's clear. There's something going on. And those who are in the know, that's why point-and-figure charting is what it is. In the early 1900s, they changed it around to X's and O's. And really, the point-and-figure chart, for many people in the early 1900s, was a way of being an outsider looking in at what the insiders were doing because it was a closed shop. Back then, there was no regulation. So if you were an insider and you were trading on inside information, which everybody did, then you were the one who had a leg up. But how do I get to know this? Well, when you look at the point and figure chart, all I can watch is that irrefutable law of supply and demand, mm-hmm. the imbalance between supply and demand back and, back and forth. And that clearly shows you here. So back in April of this year, you had a consistent series of lower tops. Trend line broke at 40.5. That was the key. Something's really wrong. That's the same thing that's happening today with Greece. Greece just broke its trend line. Not that Greece is anywhere you want to buy. I mean, Mm -hmm. fundamentally, I don't know why you want to own it, but it it broke the trend line today. And then you can see here it's a consistent series of sell signals, lower tops, lower bottoms from April, May, June, July, August, and then the collapse comes. Well, it's kind of interesting, too, It went below the 100% oversold level. Normal for this stock in Turkey, or the ETF is 29. 100% oversold is 22. Went down to 19. Okay, don't hang in a fence from 22 to 19. And now it's bounced back up. So the rubber band has been stretched. Mm -hmm. What I think, what I mentioned to you, Ian, early on here, is my bet is that the Economist magazine is going to have a cover story on Turkey. And if they do have a cover story on Turkey, that's the best magazine to go against. <laughs> what do we have in our boardroom? Go in and look at all of the different magazine covers that we have up on the wall in the boardroom. Going back years. Going back years. And, and whatever's on that, is in fact, The Economist is the best. Mm-hmm. It's got to be Turkey, I, I guarantee it. So you buy it. Look at this ETF here. I don't say it's for every customer. It's speculative. You know, it's 
for the right person that wants to try to find a bottom, watch that magazine cover. What's probably going to happen with this chart here, if you pull Turkey up, T-U-R-O, bounced up to the 100% oversold level, this band will begin to expand further. Probably it comes back, it falls right back down, makes a higher bottom. That's what you want to watch for. Then watch for the next reversal back up, the buy signal to happen, and that could be the move that gives you a good play there. For the right customer, and that's not for everybody. You know, you, you, you just can't recommend to Mr. Jones, let's, let's own turkey. Mm-hmm. But you may have some people with sporting blood. Yeah. You know, like you know, myself. People that, like to gamble. <laughs> yeah, well, well, it's, that's say more like sporting blood. Uh-huh. You know, I'm not sure I would say gambling. Sorry. Where we want to go next? So, what were we talking about here? Moving next, we're at, um, under one area of the site is the asset class group scores, which looks at, um, and you can switch that view to look at the sectors and mm-hmm. see kind of how the how the 40 DWA sectors are, are moving on kind of an average score basis. Okay, let, let's stop right there. How do you switch that view? Uh, you would go up top and go to the um, indicators tab and then go down to asset class group scores. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it brings you up a should default to the macro filter. Um, you would switch that over to sectors, unclick the macro, and then click on that set view button. Okay, now are you setting your your login page, or you're going? You went to asset class group scores, indicators to the asset class. Okay, group so you scores. go to indicators first, mm-hmm. then go to asset class group scores. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then it explains to you right there what you can open up. It brings you up a variety of different uh, variety of different filters you can put over the asset class group scores page. Everything from just the broad macro, what it defaults to, to uh, fixed income, non-US, like we were just talking about. Yep. You can look at scores there, yep. um, or you can just look at the the forty the forty DWA sectors, the forty sectors that that we have um, our sectors on the on the US market. There, this is cool. This is important. So I want you to go again on this. You go to indicators, mm-hmm. then click asset class group scores, mm-hmm. right? Okay. The, you have the drop-down window. That takes you into here, and then you can look at the this is this is really cool. This is data unlimited for you. You gotta go look at this. And what do we see? And so seeing from there, if you um, you'll you'll notice that they're gonna be colored according to um, according to what the, the score range is, the scores, mm-hmm. average scores, for those that don't know about fund scores, um, they're going to range from zero to six, and it's just going to look at all the funds kind of within the basket and take the average of those scores. And so one, one thing that we've noticed, one of the top, uh, one of the, the only eight out of the 40 sectors that's scoring above a four is the transportation sector, um, which has had a a positive score direction, and um, one of the bigger factors, it's had a, uh, mo- w- the weekly momentum has been positive for almost almost three weeks there, um, which is, you'll notice some of the others at the top have, have declined recently in weekly momentum, and it's one of the, the top weekly moment, actually ranks number third. So when you think about transport's is. non-air, you just look at our, look at the U.S. economy, what's one of the things that... Um, you read lots of articles about is they can't get enough truck drivers. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to drive truck. Or, or <laughs> there's not. There's not. They've they've filled the capacity with that. They they need more truck drivers. Why? We're hauling stuff around. Mm-hmm. I mean, the economy is doing exceptionally well. Amazon That's going to be the case there. Yeah. So if if I was talking with a client and they said, "Wow, you know, I think uh, you've got a great idea there. 
um, let's look at the uh, let's look at the uh, the trucking, and I would go into the trucking level here, and I would just go and look at the five. Um, let me try to find this here. If you can find it faster than me, probably under the models page. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll you'll you can go to the models page, and a, and a, a nice feature we have too that you can you can use the type to search function, and just type in Tran, and it should bring it up right there nicely for uh, you. Ah yes. You know, I've never used it like that. <laughs> you know, well, see, I learn something all the time. Trend, there you have it. And if you look at that, and I'm, I'm going to say look at the holdings, and if I had a client who was interested in trucking or wanted to talk about a sector that had a high, high fund score, trucking is it, what do I want to own? Well, I would look at these charts myself. I like CSX. I like Landstar Systems. I like Union Pacific Corporation. And I like XPO Logistics. But that's SAIA, symbol SAIA, SAIA Incorporated. I don't like that chart at all. You know, I don't know how it got in there, but, you know, when you have only X amount of things to, to choose from, that's one that I would take out. So I would, I would say go with uh, CSX, Landstar, Union Pacific, and XBO mm -hmm. for individual stocks. Absolutely. One thing we have noticed with those, though, is that they are uh – Several of them, especially CSX, that first one, they are pretty highly overbought right now, um, sitting at 90%. So maybe do, do, would that be a... Yeah, CSX would be one. I mean, this chart looks fantastic. Mm -hmm. When the U.S. economy starts rocking and rolling, you're talking about 16, 17, uh, uh, Trump comes in, makes it his, uh, I guess, presidential seal that we're going to get this economy rolling. He does. And you look at the CSX, man, they're hauling stuff. The stock broke out back there at $31, and it's now at 73 So it's 100% overbought at $74. Um, I would want to buy that on a pullback. So what would I do here? I would go over to the set alerts, and I would click set alert. And then I'm going to push here. It says a column reversal to begin with. I want to see the column reversal down. And I'm going to set this alert. And now I don't have to look at CSX any longer. I can just wait for an email. When I get my email and it says CSX is reversed into a column of O's, that's my alert to go look at it and potentially enter a buy signal. Looking at the markets, let's say the market has bottomed out. Things are getting better. CSX pulls back on its chart. I'm a buyer of CSX. So what I might look at CSX, what would you look at? What are the things you might look at as far as buying CSX? Um, I mean, the first thing, a lot of times the first thing I look at coming to the stock is the fund score. I mean, it's a five for fiver. So it's still it's still up there uh, up there towards the top. I mean, the other, there's the relative strength against uh, how it's doing against the market there. It's been, um, it flipped to a relative strength, the positive relative strength against the equal weight um, in January of this year. And it's and it's stayed that even, even with the, throughout the bottom in February. Mm -hmm. So Now. You made the decision you want to own CSX. The next decision there is, I want to own CSX. How do you go about doing it? Now comes the experience. Mm -hmm. How do I want to own CSX? Well, I can buy the stock. Okay. I can do that. I can buy the stock and I can sell a call. I can buy the stock and sell an at-the-money call if I want the income, or I can buy the stock and sell an out-of-the-money call, giving myself room for capital appreciation. I could sell an uncovered put, which is an identical risk level to a covered call.
call. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to do anything except collateralize that, sell the uncovered put, which in essence is in order to buy the stock at a lower price and get paid for it. I could just buy the call. Why put up the money for CSX when I can get a, a delta of one, in other words, a one-point move in the underlying option, equal to a one-point move in the stock, when the stock on CSX is currently at 74, let's say I bought a 65 call, deep in the money. Mm -hmm. It's gonna cost me 10 points, 10 or 11 points, but it'll move point for point with the stock. And if it goes down, the delta will contract and I won't lose as much point for point as if I own the underlying stock. Mm -hmm. So that might be a consideration. Maybe I put up 10 or $11 to get the same bang for my buck as if I own the stock. Mm -hmm. So there are lots of decisions that you can make with CSX on how you may want to go along the position. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. That's what makes this business so darned interesting is all the different ways that you can think of things, all the permutations and combinations. It's always changing. For me, it's going to the model page and looking at the different models because if I was back in production, that's exactly what I would be doing is looking at all the models. And I would be thinking about how can I put these models together? Well, what makes sense is that I'd be explaining to a customer what's relative strength. And when I explain to a customer what relative strength is, I begin with the Pepsi challenge. You ever do that? You ever take the Pepsi challenge? When uh, you're too I, young. You don't, even, you don't even remember the Pepsi challenge. Do I, don't you? Think I, I don't think I do. Oh, my Lord, this is youth, <laughs> man. He's not even millennial. Oh, what, what are you? Uh, I You're some, some not X generation, not Y. I think classify as a millennial. It depends. You are. I think it was '96, so up until 2000 is a. You a, must a be right on the curve, man. Right, right at the end of the curve. Well, the Pepsi challenge was for Pepsi. Was can you tell the difference between Pepsi and Coca-Cola, blindfolded? Hmm. If I gave you a cup of each, could you tell the difference? Probably not. Most people will say, absolutely. <laughs> I know the difference between Pepsi and Coca-Cola. Pepsi is sweeter than Coca-Cola. I would know it. But blindfolded, you can't tell the difference. <laughs> so if you looked at fundamentally, and in your life you were only able to own Pepsi or Coke, and I go to a large brokerage firm, and I say, give me a research report on Coke, it's probably a number one rank. I mean, this is an all-timer. This is American apple pie and, and mom and pop, and Coca-Cola is it. Coke mm -hmm. is it. Mm -hmm. And if you went to another brokerage firm and said, give me a research report on PepsiCo, be ranked number one. Fantastic. PepsiCo, are you kidding me? That's mom and pop, apple pie, etc. Mm -hmm. So fundamentally, I own either one of them. Now i got to do something different. Mm -hmm. I could look at the charts of both of them, and they made both look good. So I have to do a relative strength calculation. I divide one by another. This is fourth grade stuff. Mm -hmm. So I take, do you remember in school where you had that horizontal line and the dot on the top and dot on the bottom? Yes, I do. Remember that one? Uh -huh. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a classic, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. That was division. <laughs> you were going some places in a division. You were fourth grade. Uh -huh. So if I divide uh, uh, Pepsi into Coke, uh, Coke's 100, let's say, and uh, I pull that number out of the air, say it's 100, and Pepsi's at 50, I divide Pepsi into Coke, I get two. Then I just add a zero to make it easier to chart, uh -huh. and then I chart it on a point and figure chart. That's the simplicity of it. Yeah. That's it. So when I look at that point and figure chart, if it's on a buy, these are long-term in nature. This is not trading back and forth. This is determining whether you should be long Coke or Pepsi. Yeah. So 
I'm explaining to a customer exactly how this works. And when it's on a sell signal in the column of O's, it's saying own the denominator. O's pointing down, stock going down, O's down. It's not saying that the relative strength chart is bad. It's saying own the denominator. When it's in X's and rising, it's saying own the numerator. Well, for four years, if you pull up Pepsi and Coke, let's do it. While, we're, while I'm talking here, pull up Pepsi and Coke and let's do performance. <coughs> let's go back and look at that. And it's really kind of interesting. And then, and then take the date that it said to own Pepsi-Cola and let's look at the performance of it. So when I'm showing that chart and I go to performance and I click on it and say, here's where it said own Pepsi-Cola, and you look at the performance, now the eyes begin to widen and say, this is kind of interesting. But Tom, I'm interested in the whole beverage sector too. Well, that's fine. Then what I do is pull one of those charts up on the left-hand side. I just click sector matrix, and it's already done for you. It's already taken 70 stocks, created the relative strength charts, mixed and matched them, and put the top ones to bottom ones, the best performers to the worst performers. And now you see green and red, it looks beautiful. Green is good, red is bad. Mm -hmm. And we look at the top five. These are the ones that I would probably want to own. Not unlike if you, not unlike if you um, now go to performance and take the date that it said own Pepsi, and then take the date at which it bottomed out. Did you do that? What's the performance? Did you do it? Okay. Did you do it correctly? So the date that it, okay, I'm confusing this young man here. He was, it was much easier for him to learn physics in school <laughs> than these things. But my point being is when you show the sectors together, you've done 1,400 charts. When you have 70 units in the sector, 70 times 70, that's the number of charts you have to put together. Okay, Ian, so we're on the models page, and I'm going to sound like a broken record here. You know, I keep talking about the models page, and if I was back in, in production, that's where I would be hanging out. And I look at how I manage my own portfolio. And one of the things at Folio Investing, because they allow me to trade through a window twice a day, I can trade as many stocks as I want at no cost. Do you just have an annual, uh, annual fee? Mm -hmm. And... I look at that model page and I think of letting the model do the work for me. So if I was explaining this to a customer and I said, how do we go, how is this model page constructed? For the most part, with the exception of mutual funds, mutual funds are constructed on their, their, their fund scores, um, which again is comparing relative strength. Mm -hmm. But your basic relative strength, if I said, let's look at Coca-Cola and Pepsi and you know, the first thing you want to talk about if you're explaining this on relative strength is the Pepsi challenge because that's always fun. Mm -hmm. And you can even get a picture of that. Go, go to Google and type in the Pepsi challenge and you'll get some interesting things to show the person you're explaining it to. And the concept is if you were only allowed to buy two things in, in the market, Coke or Pepsi, what might you do? Well, one of the things I might do is I might go to a brokerage firm and I get a research report by a chartered financial analyst, and I'd find that Coca-Cola is ranked number one, and a great report, thick report. It's it's mom and pop, apple pie, America. And then I go to another brokerage firm and say, give me a Pepsi, 
fundamentals, and the fundamentals are fantastic there. Mom and Pop, Apple Pie, America, the whole thing again, great. Which one do you pick? Well, I don't know which one I pick because they're both fundamentally sound. Maybe you own some of each. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to trade the exact same. So I might look at the charts of each one of them. The charts of each one of them might also be good. But there are some stealth things that are happening underneath that chart. And you look at a chart, it's static, and you look at it and say, wow, this really looks like a great chart. Now i got to compare them on a relative strength basis. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to do basic arithmetic. I'm going to divide the price of Coke or the price of Pepsi, whichever one you want, doesn't matter. So let's say Coca-Cola is the numerator, and I take Pepsi as the denominator, and I divide Pepsi into Coke. Let's say Coke's 100, Pepsi's 50. I divide 50 into 100, I get 2. Then I'm going to add a 0 to it to make it easier to chart. And I'm going to chart that just like a point-and-figure chart. It's going to look like it, but it really isn't. It's a comparison of the, re, of, the, of the relationship between two things moving against each other. And if I looked at that and I said, okay, let's mouse over it, and let's look at when it said to own Pepsi. Well, it went into a column of O's, sell signal, and so on, and said to own Pepsi August 23rd, 2012. And that stayed in force until April 20th, 2018. So April 20th, 2018, it reversed into a column of X's, was not a buy signal, but that reversal said, hey, at least short term you should be coked now. Well, what was the return then? If I said, okay, let's go back and, and do exactly what the chart said. On August 23, 2012, I bought Pepsi at the sake of Coke and held it until, until April 20th, 2018. The net result is Pepsi's up 41%, Coke is up 14.77%. Wow. Now, when you look at those two and you say, wow, um, that's pretty interesting performance, dif- difference performance. Of course, the S&P beat both of them, but, that we're, but we're only allowed to own Pepsi or Coke. So the, the comparison of the two is what's important. So now it's reversed into a column of X's and suggests Coca-Cola, and we'll have to see after the fact, because this is long-term, how this actually plays out. But the change would be over to owning Coke versus Pepsi now. And the, and, and the customer you're talking to might say, you know, I'm interested in the whole beverage sector. The whole beverage sector. So do me a favor and go over to beverage sector, just put in Coca-Cola, and then click um, um, sector matrix. That'll save us some time. And you'll see red and green, and it takes 70 stocks in the beverage sector, creates relative strength charts, and lays them out best to worst. So um, we're having trouble here again. If I just put in, let's go, let's just do it like we would do it in Coca-Cola. I'm going to pull the chart up of Coke. Let's see if my iPad will do it. And here we are, left-hand side of the chart. You hit sector matrix. It's already done for you. Here it comes. I'm going to have a list of them. I can see that line starting to go across the, the top here. Come on, you can do it. And the system stopped. Well, at any rate, what will happen is once that system starts going, when you're on an iPad, you never know really what's going to happen. Um, better off on a computer. Here it comes. And there it comes. It just dropped down. It did 1,400 charts right then. And it's really kind of interesting when you show that list. Here's the top, and here's the bottom, and you click names, show names, and you'll find names you haven't even heard of before. So it's searching for the names right now. 
first one in that in the beverage sector is MED. Um, pull up a chart on MED, if you would. Let's take a look at that while I'm getting the names here. And MED is uh, Med Metafirst. And man, that is one heck of a strong chart. Metafirst. I don't know anything about it, but it, it, it's telling me it's beverages and soaps. Let's go find out about it. Let's look at fundamentals. And from that point, you might get a research report from it. Um, Medfirst is number one. Fresh Pet is number two. You know, I'm watching TV last night, and I see a commercial come on Fresh Pet. And I thought, you know, what a great name. People have now gone to, you know, pets are like children. And people want the best for their pets. So Fresh Pet is probably like Blue Apron or something mm, like that. Dogs. You know, fresh food for your pet. Um, Primo Water Corporation, PRMW, USANA Inc. I don't know why they would name a company USANA, but that's the name of it, USANA, symbol USNA. And uh, Sam, Boston Beer Company. Now, that's a, that's a wild one. That stock can really move around, but that's ranked number five. So if I looked at the top five in the beverage sector, there they are. Where would I go? I would go to the top five. So if I asked you, Ian, I said, here's 100 golfers. I want you to pick me out the five golfers that are likely to be at the top in the next three months. What are you going to do? Do you golf? I do. I do. I would, then, uh, then you understand what I just asked. I right? do. I would, I would go to the probably the, um, the, top, the top five golfers that are doing well right now and, and pick them to be best in the next In three months, months. yeah. They'll, they'll probably keep playing well, right? Absolutely. I might not go to the bottom golfers and say they're going to get their act together. They may, but it may be not over the next three mm -hmm. months. That's momentum. That's relative strength. These guys have the best relative strength versus the 100 others. That's why we do what we do. That's why this works. Now, over the next three months, you may find that two of those stocks don't do well. Mm -hmm. Three of them do do well. You've done a great job. That's what momentum is all about. So that's how we come up with our exchange-traded funds. And, and this brings the customer to the beverage sector. So now you've, you've, you've explained to the customer, is how we do 1,400 stocks. Mm -hmm. So if I took it to the Dolly and said, let's look at all U.S. equities, how would we do that exactly like we did right then? We start out with that relative strength chart on, on Coca-Cola versus Pepsi, mm -hmm. and then so on. Mm -hmm. One of the things is, is with options. You know, the interesting thing about options, I do a lot of options in, I have a Schwab account where I do a lot of option trading. And I was with Jeff Chang last night of uh, Vest Financial. Vest was just a majority of the company bought out by the CBOE, mm -hmm. Chicago Board Options okay. Exchange. We had a great conversation, Jeff and I, last night. I could have just continued on the whole night. And uh, one of the things that we came up with, one of the things that I found that I do a lot of, is weekly options. Options expire on a weekly basis now. So it gives you an opportunity to gain, generate more revenue on a weekly basis than going out three months. Mm -hmm. So I might buy a particular stock, sell calls against it that are going to expire on Friday, mm -hmm. and keep doing this on a weekly basis. So every week I have things coming due in my portfolio uncovered writing. And a lot of times I'll sell the put along with it, where uncovered puts are... Uh, the same risk level as a covered right. You know, so maybe I'll buy 500 shares of a stock, sell five calls, and sell five puts, and I'm prepared to buy 500 more shares if I'm put. Okay. Most of the time, not. And what happens with the weekly options is the premium erodes rapidly. 
So it's kind of unique. It's not something that was there when I was uh, running an option strategy department, but it's there now, and you mm-hmm. might look at it. So I do a lot of covered writing. I think it makes a lot of sense. So at any rate, you know, I could talk all day about how to use that model page and put things together. I suggest that you all go there, make it a part of your everyday life, because what can happen with the model pages is stringing models together. Mm-hmm. And the system will automatically run it for you. We'll, we'll email you, notify you when there's a change. And to me, that's that's beautiful. That's as good as technology can do for you today. It gives you time back in your day. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Give you your time back in the day. Mm-hmm. So you have more time to go tell the story. Absolutely. All right, then we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.